Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Pat, you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, GoBros. Got a great guest today from West Ashley, South Carolina. I know you guys don't know where the hell that is, but... Uh, right outside of Charleston near me, South Carolina, uh, Mr. Dave Mantech. What's up, Dave? Doing great. Good to see you, Pat. Dave, why don't you give us a story on your life? How old are you? I'm 54. Hey, when's your birthday? I'm 54, too. February 24th. Oh, okay. So you're, I'm older than you. Um, and mine's coming up October 7th. Okay, so uh, give me a, a, a five-minute story, Dave's life story from age uh, zero, day you were born, until 54. Go ahead. All right. I was born in uh, Lansing, Michigan. My mom and dad moved from Lansing to Jackson, Michigan when I was one. So for those of you who don't know Michigan, right there. They've lived in the same house for the last 53 years. I just moved them to the Carolinas. So that was huge. They bought the house brand new, laid down roots and did everything from there. I went to Northwest High School in Jackson. I was a solid D minus student, pretty much a rock star in academics, really good in sports. The only school I could get into was Ferris State University. So that's where my dad sent me. And uh, freshman year, I got my grades up, transferred over to Central Michigan University where all my buddies were. So I hit there as a sophomore and that's in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, way up here. Cold as hell in the winters up there, but uh, did a solid five, four years there, so five years of college, barely got out, solid D-minus average. Took, took the job that a D-minus student gets out of school, or Ernest and Julio Gallo would re- recruit on campus in the middle of winter, and they'd say, hey, we got jobs in South Florida and South Texas if you want to take it when you graduate, so... Me and a couple of buddies signed up for that. I, I sold my first job out of college was in, on the Dade Broward line uh, near Miami. I had 110 C store accounts. I sold. This will age me. Wait, sold, wait, wait, wait. But what, what are you talking about? Like, what were you? You were working for who? Ernest and Julio Gallo, the winery. 
Oh, the winery. Okay, I didn't put that together. So you yeah. were selling wines to liquor stores. Yeah, so they were basically like Procter & Gamble. They'd, they'd hire you and train you, break you down and train you from the ground up. So I sold Boone's Farm Wine and Bartles and & James and Thunderbird to basically Spanish-speaking convenience stores. I, I had no bit. I was a Michigan boy. So I did pretty good at that, worked my way up the ranks in Florida, area manager, district manager, all that good stuff. The winery was facilitating buying a, uh, a business uh, distributor in Charleston, South Carolina. So I got on a plane and I came here and trained salespeople for two weeks and just fell in love with the place. I, I couldn't explain it. I mean, the, the weekends I spent with the guys that worked here, the salesmen all had boats. And so fell in love with the salt marsh and the people and just made, a, made my mind up I was going to come back here. And so it took me a year to get back here. I got hired on with uh, the Guinness Bass Import Company. So I sold Guinness, Beer, Bass, Harp, Red Stripe, Moosehead, Pilsner, Quell. This was back before there was any craft beer. Um, so it was, it was a niche product. Rented for a year. I bought my first rental property uh, the second year in Charleston. Uh, a double lot, single family house up front kind of a Cape Cod style apartment in the back, one up, one down. Spent a whole summer fixing the thing up myself, didn't know what the hell I was doing, and rented it out to two college students, more than covered my mortgage, and then I was hooked. I was just, that was nirvana for me. The, the woman I rented the bottom apartment to, her best friend was Danielle, who's now my wife. I, she came over to visit her girlfriend one day. I saw her, she didn't see me. I went and asked the tenant about her. She said, look, I set her up with this guy. It's the worst thing I've ever done to her. They're going to break up sooner than later. I'll give you her name and number when they break up. So about a month later, I got her number. I called her. She didn't, she didn't remember seeing me, but she was in the middle of trying to get away from one boyfriend. So she went on a date with me and the rest was history. So it, it, uh, our second date was paint and trim work on a rental property. And so it, it's, it's one of those things where she grew, she, when she met me, she came along for the ride for sure. At that point, I started really accelerating my purchasing. I expanded, you know, in the course of 11 years, I went from no rental properties to, to enough to retire. So it was, a, we can talk about that later, but I had a $10,000 a month goal on my vision sheet, even way back then. I used to listen to Carlton Sheets tapes, the, the no money down, until the tapes wore out in my freaking car. It was just, that was my thing. I'm the oldest of three boys. My brother, uh, my middle brother, Rob, is in Greensboro. My youngest brother is in Morristown, New Jersey. Rob runs a huge plant, uh, plant for a road striping company. My brother, Drew, is a big-time executive with Nestle. He runs a specialty wing of that that does some really high-end children's medicine. He's always been a big corporate guy. And like I said, my dad was a geologist, did that for his entire life. And now I'm married, uh, coming up on 20 years uh, this April. Uh, I've got a 15-year-old boy, Jacob. I've got an 11-year-old boy, uh, Grant. And uh, I don't know. And now I, I, if we come to current time, I retired at 40. I've been managing my properties, growing the portfolio since then. I've got my broker's license with Avis and Young. Uh, I share the responsibilities of sort of running the retail side of it. I really play more of a consulting role. I stay off the front lines on that. I just dip my fingers in when some of the younger brokers need some help. 
keeps me in the game. Joined GoBundance, what, a little over a year ago? And that's it. That's beautiful. And your kids are how old? My youngest is 11, and uh, my oldest is 15. Beautiful. Beautiful. Boys or girls? Both boys. Both boys. All right. Runs in the genes, huh? Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> That's the universe, cool. Um, universe is funny. Is that what you're going to no, I think the universe knew. Uh, me having girls, I'm not sure how that would have worked. <laughs> I know you've got two girls, so. <laughs> yeah, you would have figured it out. Yeah. All right. So, so obviously, you know, if you look at the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, you, you fit squarely in the eye investor cash flow quadrant. Tell me a little bit about your investments that are paying horizontal income now. So clearly the majority of my uh, money is horizontal. A very small fraction is vertical. It's more of my play money is a vertical. Uh, we are 85, 86% loaded in pure retail mom and pop shopping center plays. I have, I, so in the early years, all I, I start off a single family Dabbled in multifamily, you know, fourplexes, eightplexes, had a couple 32-unit complexes, and, and in my mind, traded up the food chain to triple net properties, a uh, little less hassle in my mind. People aren't living there. It's a, it's a different clientele. So maybe, you know, high 80s uh, skewed towards retail, have a handful of small multifamily left just because they're adjacent to other properties I own, and I need, I need to control that area. One of them is at the end of my neighborhood. And so we've got a couple standalone triple net commercial buildings and then a handful of uh, single families left. So that's kind of how it breaks out. That's awesome. And what would you say your horizontal is today? Next. So I'm right at, so it's a loaded question. If, if you asked me last year, I'm just about uh -huh. 40. So well, just above, say it again, Dave. 240. 240, last year. 240 a year. Horizontal. We, so we 20 grand a month, right? Yeah, yeah. We okay. cut our draw significantly back to 15 a month right now. So 180, just because it's, it's retail's a bloodbath right now. I mean, we'll survive it, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of a shit show right now. Tell, tell me what's happening. So. The saving grace for us is we are skewed very service-oriented, right? Mom-and-pop centers, nail salon, restaurant, you know, laser, hair removal, hair salon. You know, it's, it's things that Amazon can't touch. The bad news is, is they're mom-and-pop oriented. And for the restaurants that don't have a drive-thru, you know, I've had two, three restaurants close. I've had a Pilates studio close. There's been... A significant amount of rent concession. You know, some of them are reduced by a third. Some of them are reduced by a half until we can get past this window here. And my goal is to just keep them in business. Honestly, I just, it's very expensive to turn one of these businesses over. So, but having said that, there's quite a bit of interest right now in restaurants and in retail. They're just looking for a bargain. So, so if you're leasing right now, you're, you're taking a pretty good haircut to get them in there. Yeah. And how are you making sure that your current tenants don't know what your future tenants are, are paying uh, with haircut rents? 
So we, we have them sign a non-disclosure, which as you well know, it's only worth the person that signed it. But there is a conversation and an effort that says, look, this is a moment in time and this won't be this way forever. And you're getting this deal and we're gonna require you to sign this. And so you, when you walk next door to your neighbor, have the respect not to have this conversation. And so, so far that's worked out and, and there's been one incidence where it hasn't, but you know, that's why you get the money. You, you have to have the tough conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's part of the game. I mean, I'm dealing some, with some of that too. So it's just something you gotta deal with. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, so let's move on a little bit here. Let's talk about health a little bit. I know you've recently lost a good 20, 25 pounds, right? Yeah, well, I lost, yeah, we, yeah, just shy of that. We, we had a little challenge in our GoPod, and uh, so I was at 207. My number was 190. I came in, uh, it was an 11-week challenge, and I came in just under 190, 187, 188. And, and, I've, and I've drifted back up to 192, but I think part of that is just COVID and being at home and eating and drinking too much. But 190 is kind of my better energy level. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, well, that's great, man. You look good. I can definitely tell the difference. So tell me about how you guys did this in your GoPod. So people listening that are in a GoPod, uh, you know, might want to do something similar. How, how long did the challenge last? Uh, what, did, what did you guys do to, to make it fun and accountable? So we, it, I believe it was 11 weeks by the time we got it rolling. Um, and our, our call is every other Thursday. So every Thursday, we would, no matter what, we'd text and there'd be a call in and you had to take a shot of your scale and then type in where, you know, what's going on. And so um, since all of us had different goals, we just put a dollar amount per pound. So if, if, if you came in short, you owe the crew. And so, and then we just, we settle up via Venmo after that. So it was kind of like what we did with Spar. You know, and so it, it, I like it because there's money on the table and there's some chatter going back and forth and you got to check in every once a week. Uh, it, it, and for the people that are motivated like that, like me, uh, Jordan, one of the other guys in our group is motivated by that. He's, he's a go-getter. So I don't know. It worked. Yeah, it works. Good. And it gamifies it. You know what I mean? It makes it, it, makes it a game and it, it makes it, uh, you know, it just works. It, for whatever reason, that's, that's what works well. All right, cool. So let's talk about your give back ratio. Like, how do you give back? How do you recognize the genuine contribution challenge? So I, I felt quite a few years ago, for lack of a word, better word, I'm not a big religious guy, but blessed in that I'd found real estate and it, it was my jam. And I just, it was like breathing air for me. And so I joined Rotary almost 18 years ago. And so I, I've been a member of my Rotary club in West Ashley for all that time, St. Andrew's Rotary. And I'm on the board with them, so I put a lot of time into our fundraisers. My passion for them is, is our scholarship committee. So there's me and a couple other guys that, that shepherd the fund. 
we had a couple endowments from members that have passed away that have left that there. And so that's grown to almost 700 grand over the last few years. And now our next target is to cross a million. We give about six scholarships a year away right now. The, the real goal is to be able to give four-year scholarships, you know, so your tuition is covered year one. You hit the grades, you come back, you get the next year's tuition. And we feel it's a good recruitment vehicle for Rotary too. And, and so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, you know, I don't know. You can finagle these numbers any way you want, but I, but my give to income ratio comes in about 2.4%. It's a little low. I, I think it'll be a lot higher as I get further on in my years and don't have so much family and other responsibilities, but, but I do put a lot of time into that world. So. Well, well, you know, those, the number is hard. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that I interviewed myself included, you know, that when, the, when you actually take the actual money at the end of the year that you're telling your accountant, right. That you donated the charity. Sure. It's, it's way less than you think it is. So, you know, yeah. two and a half is still a decent amount. So, so good stuff. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Dave Mantek's greatest hits. Every, every musician has a greatest hits album, the five uh, best songs they've ever recorded. I want to hear the five uh, best moments of your life. If I were to look back, what would you say they are? So this, this is a little bit of a curveball, but you'll meet my wife at some point down here in Charleston, but you'll get it when you meet her. When we were dating, um, I'm the oldest of three boys. My brothers were ahead of me, getting married, having kids. So my middle brother had three kids. My youngest brother had two kids. And I would go to visit them and go, this is freaking chaos. What? I don't, I don't want. And they're all young, you know. So I'm dating Danielle, and she sees it on my face. And I'm like, I don't think I'm into the kid thing. So she negotiates. No, no, no room to negotiate. If, if we're going to date and this is going to go big time and we're going to be together and all that, Telling you right now, two kids or I'm out. And I'm like, we went round and round. I said, one kid, and she's like, nope, it's a two kid deal. And and you know, and I love a negotiation. So I was like, all right, I'm in. Two kids, and it was one of the best moves I've ever made because you'll at some point you'll meet my boys, and they're just I can't even imagine missing that much spice of life, you know. So the second one is picking Charleston. Just one of these fluke feelings that I knew that. This is the town I was meant to be in. I was never going to leave, and and corporate wouldn't matter. I was just going to buy real estate, and th- that's a freeing feeling. And you and you have the ability to really crank when you know this is the backyard you're going to buy in. So, third is for some weird reason, I, I knew I wouldn't be a corporate guy. It just didn't fit my soul. And setting a plausible number of ten grand a month, I thought that was all the money in the world back then, and and and. And so uh, having that written down and going after that was just this weird voice in the back of your head. Didn't really matter what kind of property I bought. It just had to be income producing and getting me to the right direction. The fourth, and we haven't talked about this, is, is the neighborhood I live in, I built. But 18 years ago, uh, me and I, I owned this eightplex at the end of this road. And there was this 10-acre track of land. And the guy I bought the eightplex from had some health concerns and was going to go into the home and his wife was taking care of him, Mr. Ahern. And he said, uh, Dave, you want to buy this property? And I said, hell, I I don't, maybe, but I don't know what to do with it. So I called a couple buddies of mine that are investors. We came to look at the property. It's deep water. It's off off the Ashley river. We bought literally winged it, bought 10 acres, 
cut the roads in, uh, did a dock master plan with five deep water docks and, and two uh, tidal docks and 15 lots total, sold all the dirt, hired a consultant who saved our ass buddy of mine who had done developments um, to shepherd us. And so I got my dirt for free. And then I had my best friend that was building houses on Daniel Island build this house custom for us. And so that's, it was just one of those weird rock star moves. And we've lived here ever since. So, so are you saying that your profit from the deal was your house? Yeah. Yeah. So you got a free Mac daddy house with a deep water dock for free. It's putting all this together. Right. Yeah. Paid off. So, yeah. And, that's and, awesome. and, yeah, it was a, it was just great timing. So we got, got lucky timing wise a little bit, but just, you know, just, just the stars lined up. And so the fifth one was uh, retiring at, at 40, you know, set, setting a, just a disciplined goal that, that lined up with what I like to do. And so when you get those two things together in unison, it's amazing how fast it can move. So, yeah, that, that was 14 years ago. So, and, and, and like what struggles did you go through in your mind retiring at 40? I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, like did, did, did you, you know what I mean? Like the first year, did you miss the productivity? Did you miss, well, did you miss yeah. anything? How did you get over it? I want people listening that, are, that, that have that on their goal sheet or are in the midst of doing that now to be able to handle this psychologically more than anything. It's huge. It, I, I was lonely as shit. Cause what I quickly realized, I was like, this is freaking great. I don't have to, I'm not going to work. I, it's my world. Well, there's nobody else around you that's doing that at 40. So you have nobody else to bounce that off. What you end up sounding like is just arrogant and cocky. And even though you're, you're just excited because you, you know, this is your next chapter, there's really no one else to come along the ride with you. So, my advice, if, if you're getting to that point, and there's a lot of GoBros that are, just recognize that a lot of our self-worth comes from work and this grind every day, especially when you're leaving your W-2. I, I just felt a little lost, and I wish I would have had some mentors to sit me down and go, okay, why don't you plan out your next 20 years? Because I'd set the goal, and I didn't have any plans after that. And, and quite honestly, I was bored. I mean, I, I just... You know, I ended up working with my maintenance guys on the properties quite a bit to fill some time. That's why I went and got my broker's license, just to, just to get back in the game. But if I could give any advice, set the goal and then have an idea as you're getting close to that goal, what the next chapter looks like. Because if you don't, there, there's a big void there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people fear or actually do fill that void with vices and, or, you know, or, or just things that aren't, aren't healthy. So, yeah, so you got to be ready, and, and, and uh, I love it. Okay, cool. So let's talk about your future greatest hits. What five things do you want to have happen between now and the time you die, Dave? So, at, look, if, if, if I can shepherd my two boys to adulthood and, and they're happy and healthy, it, it's, especially as a parent right now, that's a bigger job than – I, it's in the history of mankind. They have the whole world in their, in their phone right here. And it's staggering to be able to kind of get in between that. Right. Isn't so, it weird? I don't mean to cut you off, but isn't it weird? Uh, everybody, every parent I talk to, you know, as I don't know about you, but it seemed like when I was 
when I was growing up, I mean, me being happy, I, I'm sure it was a concern of my parents, but it probably was nowhere near the magnitude. They just, they just didn't even think about that concept of being happy. And, and so all I wanted to do was make money, right? And, um, you know, among other things, obtain shit, right? And, and just like be productive and successful. And I didn't think about the concept of happiness. And every parent I talk to nowadays, that's all they want for their kids is to be yeah. happy. We just watched that Social Dilemma whatever movie on Netflix last night, my wife and I. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's just showing you that, like, the phones are, are just fucking killing our kids through suicide, depression, anxiety, and they're not being happy, No, <laughs> you know, and the parents want them to be happy more and are worried about them more, uh, but it's actually having the opposite effect. So anyways, talk to me about that. So it, it's 100% real. I mean, that's... Uh... That's my boy and I in the deer stand the other night. And and I suck at hunting. I've never shot a deer. I don't know what I'm doing, but I got all the garb. We got all the stuff you got to have. My buddy's got a stand. His friends are into it. So I'm like, I'm in, man. And so no phone, no nothing. Like we can talk, you know, on the walkout and we sit and, we, and the whole way back we talk. I've found on the moments it, it, you would think we're killing them when we, when we shut the phones off. And everybody goes down to have dinner, which we don't do all the time together. It's fun because they actually start talking, laughing. They play with the dog. They're different kids. It's just getting them off the technology. And, and yeah, unfortunately, I worry about it because the, the, the influences that they have on those phones are, for the most part, not healthy. You know, because I, I don't think my 15-year-old is ready for a lot of stuff that he's watching on there because he's not emotionally ready. To, to deal with it so it's tough right man. right it, 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 it the only fill-in is is time it's just one-on-one -on -one. that's it that's the only fill-in i mean it's sad you know this lady uh got this from last night this movie uh on shark tank they had this thing to keep uh people from eating sweets where you put your brownies and your cookies or whatever in this little case like a safe and you set the timer and, and it won't like it won't open till a certain time or whatever so you couldn't go in there and eat a cookie but she started putting her kids phones in it and uh, like that yeah so anyway so that that was that's something I, I'm, I'm a I'm a huge believer in so anyways okay that's good what, what other four give me the other uh, four all right yeah I'll, I'll create through this um, my second is by and large a great relationship with my wife. I mean, she manages our properties. We handle the portfolio together. So we spend a lot of time together and we're raising two boys and there's, there's just, it's hard because there's not a lot of time for us. So in my future, I want to make sure that I'm paying attention. I've, I'm old enough now to have some friends that have gotten divorced and, and, and I, you know, talk to them now and it, a lot of those divorces didn't need to happen. So paying attention and, and coming through my children growing and all that and still having a great relationship with my wife. It's number one. Number three is, is shepherding this portfolio the right way. And if I want to transition, we, we have a 10 year plan right now. We're two years into it. So we've got eight more years left. I hope my future looks like I'm financially secure. I think I can get to 15 mil, uh, maybe a little more, but I, I want to make sure I've done that right. 
that's part of being in go abundance and being around people that know how to do that. I want to do uh, a family trip once a year. And when I mean family trip, I'm talking about as my boys are grown, I've got a buddy of mine whose dad would rent a beach house once a year or once every other year. And it was a Mac daddy one. It fit 15 people. And he'd be like, if you can make it here, your trip's free. And the family would all come and he'd hold court, man. He had, he had the grandkids there, the, his kid, everybody, the wives would want to come because the house was so nice. My goal is to have one of those every once a year, every other year so that they want to come. So, and then, and then the fifth one is to do extended travel with my wife. We're, we're huge travel nuts. Um, little tough kids right now. We're supposed to go to Iceland this year. That was my oldest boy's pick. And that got scrubbed, so it sucked. We had some epic stuff planned for that one. But I'd like her and I line up. We'd like to do some trips where we spend a month. You know, we go to northern Italy, spend a month, get to know the culture a little bit. You know, have the ability to do that as we as we get older. So that's that. That's awesome, dude. Awesome. And uh, what is your life happiness index score, Dave? So, fuck, I don't know. You know. I, I think it's the immigrant side of me, you know, I don't think we're ever really happy. So I, I'm probably a seven, 7.1. I mean, when I, and I went through this thing, I hadn't done it until this. And I was like, hmm, okay. Well, what do you, what do you think's pulling it down? What's the, what's the worst category? Let me ask you that. What's the lowest you know, category? I, I gave risk and excitement a five. Okay. That's uh, pretty low. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of at a point in my life where there's not a lot of risk and there's some excitement, but it's, you know, it's all hands on deck. I'm, yeah. I'm managing the fucking portfolio. Maybe it's because we're in the middle of COVID and I'm trying to keep my boys on the rails and not get them sidetracked. So the, 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 it just feels like it's, it's not a lot of excitement stuff. It's grinding it out. And there's just points in life when that's when you're at. That's kind of where I'm at. I think this, the second one, would be hobbies. I, you know, I, I went and got my pilot's license in 1997 and I flew a ton. I loved it. It was the coolest thing out at Johns Island airport, JZI. And, and then once, um, once I had kids that just kind of went to the wayside. So I've had this on my list to go back and update that license and maybe, maybe go back and get my instrument rating. Cause it's the one thing you can do. We're taking off as easy as shit, but landing, you know, for entrepreneurs, you want to get your blood pumping. It's just you. Yeah. Like, you screw it up, you're done. There's, a, there's nothing yeah, like right. That's it. No takeover. No, no do overs. No, no. That's that's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, and and that'll come with time. I think a lot of people's are probably fives and sixes now, or maybe worse because just COVID. There's just nothing to look forward to. I mean, just God. I mean, uh, just uh, you know, I I can't tell you. The, the amount of trips I've already canceled this year is just insane. And uh, so it's interesting. Well, let's, let's wrap this up with, um, with a spin of the GoBundance app. Are you ready? Yeah, man. All right, this is a good one for you. What's the biggest loss you've ever had on an investment? Oh, yeah. So towards the peak, you know, maybe eight years ago when I was – thinking I was bulletproof and I was a total badass, I decided that I was going to buy a tree business. So I had a guy that trimmed all the trees in our properties. He was kind of just a pickup truck, but a hungry go-getter. 
So I said, look, man, I'm going to, I need write-offs and I'm going to fund you for a tree business. And so he, he started a tree business. I funded it. So he had no money. I had all the money. I bought all the equipment. We're talking stump grinders, chippers, boom trucks, dump trucks, bobcats. I bought a commercial building and he leased it from me in North Charleston. I was like, man, I'm the smartest guy in the world. He's going to pay for my commercial building. I got this right off for all this equipment. Awesome. And so I was like, man, I I didn't really want to manage it day to day. So I didn't keep my eye on it. So, you know, it ran for about four years and he really reached the level of his incompetency and then just, just the whole thing tacoed on him. He didn't maintain the proper or the equipment, the properties. He got sued. He got, I just took a bath. So I say I lost 600,000. My wife says we lost a million. So and it, how long, how long did it last? All in all six years. Oh. So I, mean, I, I got some good. Did it, did it, did, did it lose, <laughs> did it lose money every year for six years? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of got sucked into that. We're growing. We need to get to scale. We'll make money once we're to scale. All we need is one more boom truck so we can run another crew. And then, you know, it's, it's that never. Yeah. And, and I could have used some pretty good advice because I probably, if I sat in the group I'm in now, they would have went, don't do that. Or if you do, do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Guy, the guy has to have some sweat in the game, and you have to have the ability to get rid of him. You know what I mean? I came in and unwound it, and of course, everything was through my banker and my relationship, so I had to unwind it. So it was a tough lesson, but hopefully I can share that lesson with somebody else. It's a point. Ah, I wonder, you know, we've had, a, we've had a couple trees cut down here. I wonder if I've met your guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's still out there. Yeah, it was yeah. Arborscape Tree Preservation was the company. And he, you know, he went back to the two men in a truck. He's probably a little bigger than that now. And it just, you know, it is what it is. So it's, it's, it's a good lesson. Hopefully, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good lesson. It's just, uh, you know, you never, I mean, look, uh, looking for losses. That's a, that's a terrible statement in and of itself, right? Like, I'm a, I, you know, I mean, no, no. You don't ever want to look for losses. I, I, you know, when people say that, I'm like, oh, just pay the fucking taxes. You know what I mean? Be happy with gains. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that mindset is gone for good now. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, this has been awesome, Dave. I know that uh, uh, in about two weeks, we're going to uh, meet Adam Roach and, and uh, Dewey, uh, the Carolina GoBros, and do a rucksack challenge with uh, yeah. heavy backpacks walking over Ravenel Bridge. What is that, eight miles, four miles up and four miles back? Yeah, yeah, it's a good walk, too. Yeah, man. We have to secretly put uh, bricks in Adam Roach's backpack uh, when he takes a break there. D- don't worry. When, <laughs> when I'll be behind you, and I'll take yours and throw them over the fence. So we're, we're fine, and it'll swing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, dude. The old guys right, buddy, well, see – they don't realize the old guys are craftier than they are. So, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we'll have it figured out for sure. All right, bro. Well, this has been a blast. Thanks for sharing everything you do, and I'll, I'll see you at that. And then, and then from there, we'll um, we'll schedule something else uh, to get together because I'm I'm here for for a while. Good having you on. It was awesome. I'll catch up, buddy.
Pan. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you 